Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. Man, I just had a great conversation with Austin Castleberry. Austin Castleberry is not a professional friend, but I, I nickname him uh, at the end of the uh, conversation today, uh, our prophet of friendship. Austin just shares a little bit about his own journey of really intentionally leaning in to cultivating friendships. And this is hilarious. Austin's dad really had to get Austin out of his shell. So he tells stories about challenges that his dad would give him to friendship. Uh, he talks about how you can have elevated conversations, um, the difference between real friendship and just being friendly. He talks about how you deal with rejection. And he talks about scruffy hospitality. Uh, you're going to love this episode. If you are a friend or have a friend, or would like to have a friend, you're going to love this episode. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Austin Castleberry, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm a listener to EquipCast. So nice. It was to get the, uh, the invitation. And I'm really glad to be here and just yeah talk about invitations with you and your listeners. Yeah. So Austin, this is shout out to Calvin Mueller, common, common friend. That's kind of like how I first got to know you and you were kind enough to like do some videos for our pastoral conference. I, I love the way you talked about the art of friendship and invitation. I want to, for the sake of those right who who don't know you, just like talk a little bit about. We usually give people an opportunity to talk about their story, their kind of journey of faith when they first encounter Jesus, and uh, feel free to go there if you want. But before we hit record, we were just chatting a little bit, and you were talking about like an encounter you had with the Lord just the other day, and that's I think that's a perfect place for us to jump jump off here. So. Austin, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I'm a I'm actually a convert. And so I converted to the faith my sophomore year of college. Okay. And so that's a really long story and could probably be a podcast <laughs> of its own, you know. Uh, but a recent uh, encounter that I had was I'm six blocks away mm. from our church and we have a four seven adoration. And so I'm just really fortunate that I'm within a walking distance of being able to spend time and just sit yeah. with the Lord. And it was a particularly stressful week. So I just went to the Lord and I had a laundry list of things that I just needed to get off my heart and just share with the Lord that were stressing me out. I didn't know the next steps. I was just like, I need some help here. And as I was kind of like wrestling with all of these uh, anxieties and stresses, the Lord just kind of interrupted me and was like, you are dear to me. And I kind of paused for a second. I was like, did I hear that right? And then I kind of went back to my list. I was like, okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for I, that, I, Jesus. Really, back to the list. Yeah. Back to the list. And then he kind of like tugged my heart back to that and just said, whoa, 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 Austin, you're dear to me. And just invited me to just, just sit with that. So I just sat there and I'm a crier when I'm in the Adoration Chapel. I'm not ashamed to admit. Yeah. And so I was just tears. And just quickly, that list that I had brought quickly realized that so many of the things on that list really didn't matter. And what really mattered was just being in relation with him and knowing that I'm loved and I'm beloved by him. And uh, it just it just equipped me to just go out into the world and just yeah, share that love with others. And uh, yeah, as we talk about invitations today, we can really simplify it down to just 
loving others. Austin, that's that's fantastic because that's a you can't really love other people unless you're giving of a love that you first received. You know, it's so, so funny. I mean, we're going to have this like really profound conversation about friendship and invitation. And yet the root of it is like you found, oh, I feel like I feel like I need to sing here, right? You found a friend in Jesus. Yeah. You found a love first that's compelling you to love others. Can you talk a, a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think like that recognition was that that my life is a gift uh, and the Lord's invited me to, to be a gift to others. Um, but before I can be a gift to those around me, I have to recognize that, that I, I am a, a gift and that my life in general uh, is a gift. And once we yeah, have a friendship uh, to the Lord, who's constantly inviting us into a relationship with him, once you like know him mm. and that you're loved, it is impossible. It should be impossible to contain that. And mm-hmm. keep it. Yeah, I just I think it's it's incredibly important to, to be in a relationship with the Lord first before looking out for those opportunities to to make those invitations and invite the Lord into that. I love how you said that. Right, it should be impossible, and I think that's the picture we get in the Gospels. Right, when somebody has had an encounter with Jesus and they've experienced right His love, often in the form of healing, they can't not tell someone, even when He tells them to not tell someone. They do it anyway, because they just can't help themselves. And that's like, he's still alive. He's still healing. He's still, we're still encountering him. And that's right. That's kind of the, yeah, the root of this, our, our impetus as a Christian to make friendships and give invitations. Austin, take us back a little bit. The, the conviction about the importance of friendships, of kind of rediscovering this. Tell us a little bit about this journey of kind of rediscovering friendship. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, if you ask my friends today and they would, they would tell you I'm an extrovert, but it has not always been that way. <laughs> I went through a period of my life where I was very isolated and uh, was really, I had a hard time trusting other people due to mm. some circumstances that happened in my life. And I remember my freshman year of high school, it got to be so bad that my dad would start giving me tasks when I go to school. And it would be like, mm. I want you to report back to me the name of the person whose locker is next to you. <laughs> or wow, don't, don't bring any pens or pencils to school today. You're going to have to ask somebody to borrow those. You know, I was just so anxious around other people uh, and just had a hard time opening up to other people. Man, I love that. What a great dad. Yeah, great dad. And actually that guy that I asked for his name, uh, who's just a locker next to me, I ended up being the best man at his wedding. <laughs> we became best buds. He lives. Wow. Close. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So your dad's like, uh, how do we get Austin out of yeah. his shell? Okay, <laughs> son, you got to talk to the guy next to you. And now you're like, your best buds, you're the best man in his wedding. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. We were roommates in college and now we don't live too far away from each other. And so, and from there, you know, uh, I started to open up. I was also a late bloomer, you know, yeah. in high school. So I don't, I always joke with people. I didn't hit puberty until I was like 23, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for a boy, that's hard, you know? Yeah, uh, that makes hot, that, that adds a layer to the difficulty of high school. Never a fun time anyway, except for like the three people, you know. It wasn't that late, but it was late. Um, but as, as I started to, uh, to become more comfortable and, and making friends, started seeing the value of friendship, uh, I got into a relationship. And like a lot of long, young relationships, you kind of just cling to each other. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're lonely. Yes, right. You cling to each other and you don't really have any friendships out of that. And yeah, we definitely experienced that. But shortly after 
uh, we had broken up, I had met Calvin, uh, and, uh, he caught me after mass one day and was like, Hey, I going to get together with some dudes at Hy-Vee for breakfast. Uh, Hy-Vee's not a sponsor of this. I hope. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on guys. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime now. But, uh, but we got breakfast, uh, that following Wednesday and he didn't, he had no idea that that, I think it was like that Monday before I had just broken up with my yeah. girl and had no idea that. I was getting enlisted into this band of brothers mm-hmm. and that that served as a catalyst for this desire to engage with more and more men in the community, young adult men and build friendships and build relationships. But then it got to be a lot of dudes. And so, <laughs> right. Uh, but after things started kind of wind down uh, in the pandemic, uh, a bunch of us dudes, you know, were naturally like, well, where are all the ladies at? So <laughs> yeah. we decided to host a large Oktoberfest party in my backyard. And yeah. uh, we all kind of hashed out who we are going to invite uh, so that way we can have a good, a good guy gal ratio. <laughs> yeah. And that really was kind of the start of kind of this young adult group that formed here in the Norfolk area. After that, it was, it was like, how can we continue to build this community and continue to be together in whatever capacity that is? And so we, we were hosting things weekly or bi-weekly and, and now it's evolved to today where just about every evening of the week, if, if I wanted to be with some other young adults, I have opportunities to do so. Gosh, that's amazing. That's kind of the, yeah, the long short story. <laughs> and Okay. And for those who don't have the reference, like what's the, what's our population size in Norfolk again? About 25,000. Yeah. 25,000. I mean, I know there are, there are people listening in the Omaha metro area in the Denver metro area. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I don't have that kind of social network and that kind of access to other young adults. And here, you know, little Norfolk, Nebraska has this beautiful young adult community. Yeah. Come hang out with us. <laughs> We're awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a little, little bit of a drive for De- from Denver. Uh, but that's, but that is awesome. It, it gives, I think it gives gives hope. You've had this, you know, this blessing of kind of like rediscovering friendship from dad's like, all right, son, you know, here's your assignment for today at school, uh, being invited to this group yourself. I know you've intentionally cultivated like, okay, I want to do this. I want to intentionally cultivate friendship and invitation. If you would talk a little bit about what have you done? Cause it feels weird. Like, how do you like, how do you work at friendship and invitation without being terribly awkward? Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. I want to acknowledge like the awkwardness first and maybe just kind of tackle. Yeah. Just the notion of like, never apologize for being Catholic or being a Christian or, Mm. you know, being, being a person of faith. Yeah. I I think, I think when I tried to plan a lot of events at the beginning, I was like, how can I cater to, to everybody as much as possible? And so, yeah, sometimes I would kind of leave the faith part out Mm. and uh, I wouldn't encourage that. I think, you know, trying to be intentional about uh, having, having prayer be a part of it or, creating an environment for elevated conversations is important. But yeah, I think when you're a young adult, it's really, really weird and awkward to go up to another young adult and say, hey, do you want to hang out? <laughs> um, yeah. For whatever reason. And that's kind of our culture uh, here. Yeah. I've got a good friend that uh, he just moved from Mexico a few months ago. We talked a lot about the cultural differences. You know, he he shared that, you know, a lot of people around here are, are really friendly, but they don't want to be your friend. And, uh, which is so, which is so true. Wow. Wait, say that again. The people around here are really friendly, but they don't necessarily want to be your friend. Wow. And so, and, and how that manifests is, you know, in the grocery store and in passing 
we'll wave, we'll say hello, we'll have small talk with you, but we're not going to make an invitation to you to our home. We're not going to ask you to go get a drink. Uh, We're not going to ask you on a lunch date. We're going to acknowledge you in that present moment. And it's not going to go any deeper than that. But people are, are yearning for that. And they truly do desire that. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I get rejected from time to time uh, in those invitations. But majority of the time, uh, an invitation to coffee, an invitation to, to lunch is welcomed, has led to some really good friendships or connections uh, in our community. How do you get over the rejection? Because I think that's like, sometimes it's even just the fear of rejection that keeps us from even trying. But you've managed to persevere through both the fear of rejection and actually being rejected. How do you think about that? Good question. You know, when you have a, a dad that says, don't bring your pens and pencils to school, you kind of build up uh, an immunity. <laughs> But uh, that's the secret, folks. Forget your pen. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is one of those things, you know, rejection is is, is one of those things. It's, it's a part of life. Uh, it's just, it's part of the journey. Uh, but also like some words of encouragement. I shared this quote from a book I recently read. It's Unbroken by uh, Laura Hillenbrand. It's it's not a quote you're going to find on Cliff Notes or on uh, whatever, but it just, it just stood out to me. And it, if you're not familiar with the book, it's uh, these uh, Olympic athletes, one of the Olympic athletes, they're out on a raft, they're stranded for months and they're starving and they get captured. Right. World War II. World War II. They get captured and they're given a meal. At that moment, it shares this quote and it says, one of the greatest cruelties of starvation is that when the body receives its first real food, it rejects it. Mm. It just stood out to me as I think about invitation uh, because that happens from time to time. When you're inviting someone into something authentic, into something real, they might reject it, but you got to recognize that person might be starving for exactly what you're offering them. Wow. But there's this, this underlying fear of, I don't want to put myself in a situation or I'm not a, I know you guys are kind of churchy people or mm-hmm. afraid to enter, enter that, but uh, continue to invite because if someone starves long enough, they'll die. And I think it's, it's so important to enter into those conversations and, and go into the deep and overcome that fear of rejection because there's people in this community who really are starving. Yeah. Like for friendship. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're lonely. And I hear you saying, it's like, uh, it's not about you. They're rejecting what they actually want and need most. It's just, they haven't gotten an invitation in a long time. They haven't had an experience of real friendship in a long time, but stick with it. Yeah. And I I also want to offer too, when we receive those invitations, uh, make an effort to accept, you know, we talked earlier about like being a gift. And so just kind of another paradigm or perspective to look at it as like, if if we are allowing the fear of rejection to, to overwhelm us, then we're robbing from the other person, the gift of ourselves. When we, when we don't accept invitation to where it's appropriate, we're robbing them from being able to give us that gift of themselves and ourselves too. Just being, being vigilant um, and watching out for those opportunities to, to love your neighbor. Austin, I want to return to something you said earlier. As, as you were talking about you know, trying to create an environment of real, real friendship, you talked about elevated conversations. Build that out for us. What do you mean by elevated conversations? Yeah. Just conversations that are, that are deeper than the, the football team. Which if we're honest, we don't really want to talk about right now anyway. No, we don't. We don't. There's lots to share. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just how, how do we engage in conversation about, uh, you know, for a group of men sitting on the back porch, how can we navigate the conversation to, to some of the most challenging things of being men, whether it's being a father or being a husband or talking about the dating scene as a young adult mm-hmm. uh, how do we engage in those conversations. And how, how do we talk about continuing that dialogue 
with the Lord? And how do we also be vulnerable ourselves and share about our own journeys or how the Lord is working in our own lives? You know, I love that you start your episodes with talk about an encounter that you had, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a great practical starter conversation uh, to invite your community into. And it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be clunky. There's opportunities to feed into it. I do have a friend that who will make an invitation for people and he'll spend like a good chunk of his day thinking about what are like three really good questions I could ask this evening when this group of people come. And so if you have those in your back pocket, great, but you don't have to do that when, when people are coming over. But if you really want to be intentional about elevated conversations, you certainly could kind of have some questions ready to go. Do you have any, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, do you have an example of just like a nice, like a nice question to start an elevated conversation? Yeah. Like your conversation starter of, you know, can you talk about a recent encounter that you had uh, with the Lord or what's been on your heart lately, you know, uh, is another really good conversation. Yes. Yeah. My favorite one, slow, easy beginning. Hey, what's your story? Mm. And depending on what level they answer that from, if it's just the kind of factual, whatever, there's always something that I can probably follow up and ask more uh, if I actually pay attention (laughs) to what they say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of with that too. It's just like so many times it goes to work. We just love to talk about our work, but yeah, trying to navigate the conversation away from work and and more into what what brings you joy, what brings you life in your life. I love that. There's another one that I had had a chance to use with some friends recently. Okay. Tell me about your perfect day. Oh my gosh. It was awesome. Like just, I learned so much about people really that I'd been friends with for years I'm like, seriously, you like photography? I had no idea. You know, and just like I learned something about about people and it was very fun. You know, it's just like, oh man, yeah, if I could make a perfect day. You know, it was it was a very, it's just very simple, but it started us at a level that was better than the weather or sports. I have a friend that has a resource. I'll, I'll reach out to her and maybe share that with you that has a bunch of conversation starters that can really help get things going. So I'll share that with you. And that's awesome. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. There's this challenge. I think we experience where we want to have a friendship that is kind of what you said, where we don't have to hide our faith, where we don't have to hide the fact that we're a Christian. What's different about Christian friendship versus a typical friendship? Mm. St. Jose Maria Escriva has this awesome quote. It's like naturalness, sincerity, and cheerfulness are indispensable conditions for the apostle to attract people. Naturalness, sincerity, and cheerfulness. Yeah, that's what I want to try to encompass is how can I, how can I be natural? How can I be myself and be authentic? Mm-hmm. But also be, it's, and, and therefore be sincere with those I'm engaging with, but also be cheerful. And I think that's forgotten sometimes. I think sometimes when we become sincere, we, we enter in this state of despair. <laughs> and that's not fun to be. Around. My gosh, that's no, but that's so true. It's like, you know, how you doing? Like, I'm fine. And it's like, okay, well, if I answer honestly, it's just going to be depressing. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, no, actually you can be sincere without right sacrificing cheerfulness. You might need some grace to do it. Yes. Yes. It takes practice. Right. But, you know, just sharing like, you know, I'm really stressed out at work this week. It's been really busy, but God's been good. You know, there's just been a lot of fruits from, from this week and some of the events that we got to put on and I can really see the Holy Spirit working. And that's the beauty of living the Christian life at its fullest. It's that mm-hmm. those obstacles, those challenges, those sufferings are just parts of the great adventure. When people get to witness that and see that, it can really, really shift. And holiness is attractive. 
too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So again, like I mentioned earlier, never apologize for being Catholic or being Christian. It, it is such a gift to have our Lord and be in relationship with him. And when you're inviting people to be a part of your life, inviting them to be, be in a relationship with him as well. Austin, how do you, how do you work on sincerity? You know, sometimes it's not safe, right. To share what you're really thinking or what you're feeling or certain parts, parts of your life. How do you cultivate that where you're, where you're kind of finding that, that happy medium ground? It's mm, a good question. Yeah. Just looking at invitation a little more abstractly than just an invitation to an event. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, I, I've been struggling with going to the gym. If you saw how swole I am right now, you wouldn't believe that. You're struggling, struggling in the sense, like you're just there all the time. Yeah. I'm just there all you the time. You can't stop. Yeah. Can't That's stop. like all of us really. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Sarcastic. Uh, but, uh, uh, so you know, I, I recently made an invitation to a friend of mine that does go to the gym often. And I was sincere, just like I was, I, I was, this is a bad example because I'm being sarcastic, but, um, but I was sincere. I said, look, I am struggling to get to the gym. Uh, it's something that I want to be more physically fit, but I just can't seem to get up in the morning mm-hmm. and you go to the gym and I just want to invite you to hold me accountable to that. Yeah. When we can create this culture of sincerity and an invitation for accountability, uh, especially with our men, what we get is good men and not just, just nice men, good men, good men, and not just nice men. And that's important. You know, I'm a single guy, but when I get married and, and my, and my marriage is, is struggling, uh, just struggling and I'm falling, I'm not going to call my nicest guy friend. You know, I'm going to call the friend, the man who's wow. been the most sincere with me and, and is, is going to tell me no for the greater good of my soul versus telling me yes, because that's going to make me feel good or bring me pleasure. And so building that culture of sincerity is really important. And I think if you want to build that culture, you have to be sincere yourself and invite others uh, to be sincere with you. Wow. That's so good. And I can think of so many people in my life. I flash back to a a roommate that I had shortly after I graduated from college. His sincerity was actually demonstrated sometimes by the fact that he would, without fear, and without any hesitation or unhelpful mincing of words, he'd tell me stuff that I didn't want to hear. But I feel this intense loyalty to him because his, his sincerity communicated a love. And it was all the more plain because he was communicating things that I wasn't wanting to hear. Absolutely. I, I find myself being attracted to people who tell me how it is and uh, are real with me. Yeah. Far more respect. Yeah. That's not really secret. That, that's like, oh, it's the secret sauce. Be sincere. Like, no, 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 no. Give me something else. Yeah. I think there's a, there's an invitation there too. I'm not just talking about invitations to an event, but yeah, if you're inviting into community, you're inviting into sincerity too. Yeah. Okay. Austin, let's go there. We were talking a little bit before we hit record that there's, there's some pitfalls to avoid. One of them is too much emphasis on an event, mm, right? Yeah. Like just like it, it becomes about the party or about the food. Talk about that for, for people. Absolutely. So I love hosting. I really do love it. And so, yeah, this is to caution those who have that gift of hospitality to just, just really be mindful of making sure that you love the people who you are inviting more than the event itself. And I've made this mistake mm. many times and here's how it manifests, right? I become way more concerned about how awesome my flyer looks, how well decorated my home is, how many people show up, right? Uh, Stop. You're like reading my soul. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not what I want to place my identity in. I'm going to gauge how well that event went. 
based on the number of people that showed up, how many compliments I got on how well my home is decorated and how good everyone thought the food tastes, right? Yeah. But what really matters is the people that are there and the conversations that are had. And when I find myself in that state of, I love the event, I have a really hard time having those elevated conversations. Yeah. Austin, I was not, I was not planning on telling this story, but I have to tell a story where the Lord brought that same trap, right? Just being more interested in the surroundings and this, the trappings than the people. And it happened, he did it for me on a mission trip. Um, I was down in Mexico City. Uh, doing a, a short-term mission trip with Hope of the Poor. There were two ridiculous circumstances. One, we're you know, ministering to some street kids in this city park that was their home. The city park was also, it was a mess. It was a mess for a variety of reasons, not least of which there had been like some sort of horse parade gathering equestrian event. And I'll spare you the details of how it was a mess, but you can, good folks from Nebraska can probably fill in the, fill in the blanks there. And I was like preoccupied with like a napkin, like blowing across the grass. And my friend who was down with me was like, dude, what are you doing? Get over here. And like, it was just because there were so, some of the homeless people were beginning to tell their story. And I was just not paying attention. I was not engaged because I was in the napkin. It was ridiculous that I was trying to like keep this city park clean. And then the Lord took it to another level. We The next day we were ministering to families who live in the dump and we had like a birthday party, a uh, great gathering. It was so much fun. Pinata, you know, literally like birthday party done, you know, finished my, my birthday cake. And I'm like, okay, so now what do I do with my my plate? Oh, I just drop it on the ground. Yeah, wow. It was so hard for me to do that. And I was so distracted by the surroundings, which I get it. It was the dump. It smelled. But I realized like, gosh, I'm here for the people. They don't care, but I do. And not in a way that's helpful. And it has changed the way I interact at the parties I throw now. Not that I'm perfect about it, but I catch myself like, stop, stop, pay attention to the people and not just the stuff. Yeah. Any tips on that? Like how you how you get over that and really like pay attention to the people who are present? Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that story. That's a really profound story of just like how the Lord gets really stirred in your heart. Just this encounter that you had with uh, uh, ministering to other people. And uh, yeah, just paying attention to to those that are dear to him versus the immediate surroundings or the event itself. Yeah. And yeah, just like you're kind of placed in this extreme, you know, situation of, of being in a dump. And if I were to ask myself like tonight, why I wouldn't invite people to my home, the things I would list would be, I've got dishes in the sink. Mm -hmm. uh, I have slept and I have a dog and there's probably enough hair that if I were to sleep, I could probably make another dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I made a sweater. It's like a party favor. Yeah. For you. So those are the reasons maybe I wouldn't invite tonight, but I'm just, I'm miss if, if those are the reasons why I'm not inviting people into my home, I'm really missing the point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we discovered on, the, on that mission trip too. Yeah. Just that there's that invitation into, there's the term scruffy hospitality. What is scruffy hospitality? Yeah. Scruffy hospitality is inviting people into your life right now. Not this home that's been beautified and cleaned and polished and perfect, just inviting people into the mess and to, to just be there. Mm. Not getting so caught up on my home needs to be spotless in order for me to have people over. Yeah. And I think when you when you do that and you exercise that, you, you create a culture of invitation because other people aren't expecting that, oh, like if I am going to host, then I also have to have flyers and a menu and decorate my house, which is not the case. When you yeah. invite to the mess, it gives them the freedom and permission to just invite 
into however their home is set up. You know, it, it starts creating a culture where, you know, you can be walking at a mass and someone on a whim can say, hey, I'm gonna have brunch at my house. Does anyone want to come? And be like, okay, yeah. Can you bring eggs or oh yeah, I'll bring a orange juice or. Yeah. Awesome. I think, that, I think that's brilliant, right? Because it's one thing for us to say, hey, get over needing to have things perfect before you you invite people, right? Like you have the gift of hospitality, you'd love to entertain. But if we insist on that kind of perfect setting, everything's perfect to invite people in, we unintentionally paralyze other people who are like, okay, well, I can't do that. So I guess I can't have people over. I guess I can't make an invitation. Yeah. And that's, if you want to create a culture of, of invitation and hospitality, you can't, can't have that expectation. So Austin, as we kind of like wrap up here, there's a lot of food for thought here, right? Like scruffy hospitality, like just do it, have people over. We talked about elevated conversations. If somebody is just getting started, if they're like, oh, I want friendships, right? I want to, I want to develop new friendships and crap. That probably means I need to do invitations. What would you say? How, how do they get started? Yeah. I mean, just acknowledge it's, it might be awkward and that's okay, but it's worth the awkwardness. Uh, it's worth that fear of rejection. You know, we kind of shared about that. And I would bring it to prayer, you know, spend some time with the Lord and just say, Lord, who in my life do you want me to make an invitation to? And just mm. the Lord presents to you and be vigilant to that prompting and make an invitation. It doesn't have to be crazy and elaborate. It can be invite someone over for cards. What is something that you enjoy doing? Yeah. Invite someone else into that. Or if there's something that you want to start and you see somebody else doing it, like in my case of going to the gym, ask to go with them. Yeah. Invite yourself. <laughs> invite yourself. Yeah. It's totally fine to invite yourself. Yeah, really it is. And uh, to be a part of uh, somebody else's life. Uh, as well. And you'll, you'll be surprised what that might turn into. And if you're also trying to make friends, be vigilant for when you are receiving invitations as well, and, and be willing to accept those invitations. You're not going to make friends by staying home and in isolation. Mm. You know, maybe your parish is offering a young adult event. Go. Um, I know, I think, um, I think the second Fridays of the month, the Archdiocese of Omaha is doing Veni, which is this young adult adoration night. And so if you're a young adult looking to connect with other young adults, they have an after party. Yeah. And I would say for parish leaders, you know, try to be really intentional about if you're having an event, having a really simple after party. You can just say, hey, we're going to go to one of our downtown restaurants afterwards and, and have, yeah. have some drinks. or Yeah, it doesn't have to be please know in the parish basement. Right. Yes. It does not have to be yeah. in the parish basement. So yeah, just having a game plan for after maybe the event where people are coming together to continue to build community and to connect. I just want to share one other thing about just like the importance of connection. I ran across this article that was, or this study that was done a couple of years ago about narcotics anonymous groups. And they were studying what are the key elements mm. to successful someone overcoming, you know, an, an addiction. How to get out. Yeah. And, and it was unity. It was connection. And uh, it was just this sense of belonging. And the, the Narcotics Anonymous groups that did the absolute best and had the most success were the ones who could identify when somebody was new into the group or had come back after mm. not being there for some time. And just being extra intentional to connect with them. Wow. And those people know so well that if they don't do that, that person might die. Yeah. It's real. It's kind of morbid, but it's just an awakening of, all right, if I want to be effective, this connection and this unity is so, so important. 
And let's be real, Catholics don't have the reputation. Yeah. I, you know, as you were speaking, it's like, oh my gosh, if that if only the church lived that way, right? Where where we where our friendships, where we notice people and we could be, yeah, like actually save lives by our noticing and our invitation and our friendships. Awesome. This has been this has been amazing. I, I mean, all of this, you know, we did reference the the pandemic, right? So for those of you who are listening in 2026, in the year 2022, there was still a little bit of a pandemic experience. The the epidemic, I think, of loneliness now. None of what we talked about today is rocket science. It's what we're starving for. So I think I'm going to nickname you, right? Kind of like the you know the prophet of friendship. Uh, we need we need this. I, I really appreciate what you what you shared today, Austin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem, everybody. If this has been a blessing to you, uh, share this out. Use sharing this episode as a hey. I'm going to send this to you. Let's be friends, right? Make this your first awkward invitation yeah. uh, to start right to start friendship. So, Austin, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll put those uh, conversation starters in the show notes. God bless. See you later, everybody.